0: Uh, the, The ground rule is questions are encouraged and can be asked, okay? Here we always, if you have a question and there's something that's unclear, make sure you ask. And also what I love about our body, if you have some gospel insight... That I'm missing, you can throw it out too. Because our goal here is worship. We want to all grow more in Christ, and uh, our body is awesome. So I want to make sure that we open that up um, to be listening to the Holy Spirit as He gives utterance. Um, just make sure you're praying about um, <clears throat> your motivation behind what you're sharing, and making sure that it's um, edifying the church. All right, guys. All right, let's jump right in. So uh, here's a verse. It's pretty uh, pretty clear, and as I, I gave you last week, was a the theme uh, was this, uh, the sense of making it simple. And what I've been trying to do is actually have notes, but my, my ink ran out of uh, my my printer ran out of ink today. So so here we are. Um, so maybe next week. Sorry, Betty. So uh, <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna hit uh, children obey your parents and everything for this pleases the Lord. Okay. Um, Let's talk about our motivation behind obedience um, as we think about children obeying uh, their parents. OK, is it just uh, I want us to, to train ourselves that when things happen uh, and we look at things in Scripture uh, to center ourselves and say, Lord, how does that have gospel influence? Because everything that God is doing is a point to the good news of Jesus and, and almost in some level, the retelling of who God is and who we are as His people as we retell his story. OK, so even this. Even looking at obedience, I would propose it has great gospel motivation. Look at the scripture verses. John fourteen thirty one. 31. Uh, this is Jesus. But I do as the Father has commanded me so that I, the world may know that I love the Father. In John 12, it says, For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment what to say and what to speak. Again, this, this undergirding of, of the, that Jesus does what the Father tells him to do. And, that's, and it's modeling this obedience with joy. Uh, John 5.19, so Jesus said to them, truly, truly I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, he's doing his own thing, but he, he's an obedient son, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, the son does Likewise. When I propose to you that one of the that the reason why obedience, uh, the whole doctrine of obedience, is so important, is because what it does, it retells the story of the gospel, it tells the story of Jesus' relationship. With the Father. It tells you even a Trinitarian story. And so, one of the reasons I'm proposing to you that even in Colossians 3, that is so important uh, for you as kids or children and for us as children of parents to obey our parents unto the Lord is because what that does, that tells the story of Jesus and says, I want to be like who you are. Just as you are subservient to your Father, I want to model that because you've shown me that that's important for kingdom advancement. And so what we're really doing, is bigger than just because I said so, it really is about modeling the, the, the Trinity and retelling the story of Jesus as he has shown us, as you see me, do you do likewise, okay? So I just want you to understand that, that when we're disobedient, what we're doing is we're shortchanging the story that Christ has placed in front of us, and that is I've modeled obedience to the Father. I'm asking you to model that obedience as well because that obedience actually tells the story of the Trinitarian love, does that make sense? So it's just bigger than, well, you're just supposed to. It's your daddy, Alright? Now, um, one clause, though, is our motivation behind obedience is a gospel. We get to tell the story of Jesus, but uh, the law of Christ always takes precedence over parental orders. And this is uh, the gospel clause in that we can think, well, if my dad or mommy told me to do something, I need to do it. But I'm proposing, especially us, and I see this a lot of times in, as adults, we're thinking, I'm a believer, I love Jesus. My parents, I don't know if they're believers or not, they have a moral compass, or maybe they're believers, I don't really know. But they're always telling me to do things that are kind of worldly, that are kind of self-aggrandizing, that benefits them. And sometimes I just say, I don't, I don't want to do that. Am I being disobedient? And I want to propose to you that you're not being disobedient if your parents are asking you to disobey Jesus. You first, your first primary allegiance is to Christ. Okay, and guess what? We got to figure out how to do that graciously, how to do that kindly. Uh, But we're but hopefully we understand that these verses have an assumption here. And that is is that is under the Christian household. It's under the the rubric of a Christian family. He's expecting you men and women to be walking with Jesus, that you're not asking your kids to do things that are not from Jesus. So there's an assumption there that this is all stimulating from the scriptures and from uh, from the gospel. Okay? So the next time you feel like, man, well, but I he's he's still my parent, obey Christ first. So what does Paul mean when he talks about being he says, For this pleases the Lord? He talks about fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Because He's telling the kids, you need to obey, but then he gives a second uh, aspect of this whole clause, and that is, just as the kids need to obey, we have a very high road, as well as parents, specifically uh, fathers. Isn't that interesting? That he points directly to the fathers. And he says, fathers, now you, don't discourage your children. Don't, uh, don't embitter them. Uh, again, I think this points to the whole aspect of, of, of leadership, of role distinction, uh, which I think points to the, the, the whole concept of complementarian, that, that God is saying that he's placed men as leaders over the household uh, and that we are held more accountable even than our wives. It's not a value issue, but it's a role distinction issue uh, that stems from, again, the Trinity. Okay? Just as Jesus is submitting to the Father, so does the do wife submit to the husband, but... He is totally God, just as the woman is totally of value and created an Imago Dei, just like the man. So what does Paul mean by discouraged? Um, so in a sense of like the, our kids basically give up obeying. It's a sense of like they get to the point where they feel like they can't please you, and so they just give up. Now, why is that very important? Again, with a gospel lens, why is that important to, to see that, to be humbled by that? How does this affect the gospel? I want to propose there's a correlation between gospel embrace and relational health, okay? Now, again, this isn't like, you know, one-on-one is always equal. Again, you get some people who have a horrible relationship with their dad and they fall in love with Jesus, okay? Um, that's me. The Lord saved me by his grace in the midst of a broken relationship with my dad. But, but guess what? I must tell you, my dad had no influence in my gospel decision, and that's sad. So I want to propose to you that... That, that Jesus, through Paul, is trying to say something as to that when, if, you're, if, you're, if your son or daughter sees you and they see you not obeying Christ, and to the point where you are putting rules, well, we'll go through what the specific things we do to discourage our children, but to the point where they don't respect you as the authority figure in their life, the question is, how are they going to view Christ as an authority figure? Do you think it's going to be easy for them to to dis, to dis, to dis- disparage you, but yet see Christ as an awesome authority figure. It seems that for some reason that he's saying, Hey, make sure you're not discouraging your kids. And the point is that they're gonna like dislike you, and it's gonna probably and I don't think I don't think Paul's end goal is for your kids just to like you. I think the end goal is always worship. And that he's saying at some point, this short circuit's worship. And I'm proposing because he's saying that kid is going to get a distorted gospel and it might distort the worship in his life or her life. So the stakes are high. So the question becomes, what are the markers of discouragement? And I, I just put. Two, these are two biggies, and again, I say this by saying there's, there's others, okay? This is not exhaustive, and, and this doesn't always turn out. It's not like if this happens, this happens, this happens. But it seems to be these are the two major deals uh, that we can fall, in, fall prey to as men. And the first is uh, passivity, okay? Uh, we can either be a passive dad or we can be a, a perfectionistic dad. And, and and obviously, uh, if you're not a dad yet, I think you should still take notes. And obviously, women, uh, you fall in the same camp, although the focus is the leadership of the man. I think we all fall into this. And like I say, I'm the first one. I can switch between these, you know, in a day, multiple times in a day. <laughs> and so uh, give yourself grace as we go through this and allow allow grace to be motivating you for change, not, oh, my goodness, one more thing I need to do, be a good parent. So, So passivity and perfectionism. So when I said those words, any of you go, "Yeah, that's me." Okay, the passive dad. So here's what happens. So the passive dad, you know, tries to love with no or little correction. Have you have you seen this? Have you ever seen uh, you go in a home and you watch the kid and the dad um, and the mom are just kind of like, there's not much correction. And you're watching the kid, and he's kind of like a little Hellraiser. And you kind of go, oh, my goodness. Uh, i keep it real. I'm sorry. Is there, right. like, oh, my goodness. So, so this dad tries to love with minimal correction. And, and um, if, the, if, the, if the dad isn't careful, they risk the danger of not confronting sin in his child. And I've seen this. We, we stop confronting sin, and then we start actually renaming it. And we don't even call it sin anymore. And we start making it, you know, behavioral issues or whatever versus, like, things that are, that are dishonoring Christ. Um, and then what, what can happen is that a lot of times uh, the passive dad, if this is you or this is your tendency, you can begin to actually find your approval through the approval of the child. So, so it's like your worth, your worth comes through that, right? Your worth comes through seeing this child like you. That's a very dangerous place to be. Now, of course, you want your kids to like you. But if you get your worth from their, from their uh, like how they respect or honor you or how, how they view you, what it'll do, it can manipulate how you serve them. Because your, your, your motivation is for, that, uh, is for that reaction. And the results, when, when these things happen as a passive dad, uh, some of the results are... Obviously, rebellion—the kid basically, you know—is is, is kind of bad and, and just disorderly and disobedient. And and I propose that the motivation is to look for love and attention. That uh, what, what happens a lot of times is this kid is like is kind of intense because they they're they're actually wanting to be corrected. And uh, just as is more practical, uh, we were Sarah had a good word just a while ago. Um, we discipline our kids and and we and she just brought up like it's interesting with discipline. It's funny, I feel like discipline actually gives our kids, like, joy and freedom. Like, it's like they feel like, ah, like, I'm secure. Like, they care enough about me, and that actually we see our kids actually, like, like, actually enjoying life. And I know it's pragmatic, that's my experience, but it's very interesting just to watch that dynamic. Pat? I think it also causes, them to feel protected. causes them to feel protected. Share more about that. Like boundaries? Boundaries, which are our rules. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I, def, I definitely agree. I, yeah, I just it, it seems that 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 the the propensity to say, okay, well, how do I get love? I want to know that I'm I'm loved. That the acting out occurs, and and you're saying the sense of boundaries are important because it provides kind of safety and structure for the child. Again, there's people who this you know is. You know, some people can say, well, I was a guy I never had anything, and I'm looking at me, I'm praising Jesus. And, but it seems to me that these are just some key markers that I've seen in my 15 years of full-time ministry um, when I look at people's kids and even how we raise our own and the failures and successes we have. So um, so motivation to look for love and attention through discipline. Uh, so they're actually probably acting out more because they want you to do something. Um, the other thing is uh, it seems like the guy's attention uh, is to – it's to love his kids, but because of his inaction, but because of his inaction, the kid feels unloved. So I just want to make it clear: I don't think the dad is malicious. The dad actually is mo- wants to love his kid, and actually, the motivation behind a lack of discipline is, uh, I will propose, a distorted view of the gospel, and and saying, "But you know, this is how I'm going to love my kid." And so, but what happens is the kid starts to feel unloved, and I don't even think the kid can articulate that. I don't think the kid. I don't think if you ask the kid, he would say those things. Um, and so the sad reality is that these things are happening in family, even in our own lives. What happened? I was going to propose that a warped gospel is being modeled for our children. Uh, so that I would propose there's a warped gospel, and we're we'll talk about what's warped about it in a moment. But that's the that's the danger. Again, the focus being our kids hearing, seeing, understanding the gospel, and responding to a true gospel. And so we want to ask ourselves as we parent our kids, what kind of gospel are we showing them? Mike, you have somebody? Okay. So now let's look at the perfectionistic dad. So that was sort of the passive dad. That, that sort of the kind of the tendency that's happened with the passive dad. Uh, the perfectionistic dad uh, risks the danger of discipline without love. Okay? This is a person who you, you want to discipline, but now basically the kid doesn't experience love in the midst of that discipline. So these are the risks of the guy who's perfectionistic. The dad can't discern the difference between immaturity and diso- or disobedience, so he disciplines both. Okay, there's a big difference between your kid being immature and being disobedient, and I think it's very wise for you to discern the two while you're parenting your children. Because you know, I don't. Well, we try in our family. We try not to discipline immaturity. He's a kid, you know, six years old. I'm not expecting my kid to act like he's thirty-two. So, 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 but but the guy who's perfectionistic, which is some of our, some of my tendencies, I don't lean more on the passive side. This would probably be more of my bent. I don't know where where you are, where you are, but to make sure that you're discerning the two and having wisdom, asking the Holy Spirit for wisdom there. Uh, this person has a controlling spirit. and Overcorrection seems to be a theme in a relationship. So you can kind of you can kind of have this theme of over okay? Which is really scary because it's, it's really scary if you're over your child and he doesn't even have the spirit of God yet. It's kind of weird, right? So, so, so making sure that you're, you're not asking your kid to be something that Christ is still saying, I'm, I'm, I'm putting this brother through processes and he doesn't even know me yet. And so really being gracious toward that end and asking yourself, what does overcorrection look like? What does a controlling spirit look like? How do you, how do you discipline but yet like, let a kid be a kid? That whole journey. It's hard, right? It's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, he can punish his children. This is maybe the guy who's kind of in this perfectionistic framework and kind of punish his children through a withdrawal of love and approval. Uh, and and again, it's not malicious, but what happens is when your kid sees you being more excited about when they do something versus who they are, it speaks to that. When they do, and kids kids will get those cues like, man, he only is excited about me when I... And then they'll start doing that all the time. And all that is, that's building a distorted gospel because you're got, he's getting a gospel of works, not grace. Yeah. So, so you said that if you don't discipline maturity, do you correct immaturity? Or like how do you get the kid from immaturity into maturity if you don't discipline? Good word. That's, that's such a good, good question. I love what you said there. There's a difference, difference between discipline, discipline and correction. Helping a kid know what does it mean to do things the way that uh, the adult does them, or the right way, or the way that you're doing things in your home, to graciously say, "Hey, actually, bro, this is how we do things here," or and how do you help them grow with grace, knowing like, and here's a kicker: now we're doing, we're saying all this, but we're saying this with our kids also having all kind of different personalities, so this is messy. But we, but I, but I want to spend time on it because we're all going to be influencing kids at some level, and you're going to have kids. We're all in our community, neighboring, and we're dads and moms and cousins, and all half of y'all, my kids call uncle and aunt. And so, like, we're, you're, in, you're in kids' lives, okay? Um, so you need to be thinking about this. And you got to think about the different personalities. I mean, one thing that we're blown away, uh, our son Eli, like, uh, I mean, what do you do with him? I mean, you, I mean he... My kids, I feel like right now, they're all getting, like, they're loved and cared for. And then look at Eli, and, man, we do something, and we can say something to him, like, hey, buddy, uh, don't, you know, don't drop the water on the floor. And we're like, bro, I just asked you to not drop. What's up, man? Uh, what are you, do you, you think daddy's mad at you? Yeah. Like. No, man, that is, so, so do I stop, do I, how do I realize, like, man, he's, God has allowed him to be cut from a different cloth, and so now, I feel like we have to be more, we have to talk a lot about grace, and be extra careful with Eli, and help him understand that, dude, you're in an environment of safety, now, we're gonna still grow you up, but we gotta talk way more surf safety with Eli, than we do with Connor and Joel, and we're seeing that, and it was like that, I mean, when they were that age, they weren't like that, so I'm realizing, wow, Lord, okay, this is a different makeup here. So acknowledging that is key. Because if I try to say, well, I know how to do boys. I got, you know, two already. I think you're really, that's unwise. But to look at each one of your kids and see their dispositions and see, like, how they, how they respond to stuff seems to be wise. So uh, Results of this guy. Um, uh, the, re- the same, you have rebellion being the conclusion again, Right. But this, this child actually rebels for a different motivation. In some sense, they want to be uh, affirmed, like, man, okay, are you going to love me no matter what, or are you going to just love me when I do this thing? And so they start doing stuff just to test, you know. See how serious your love is, how unconditional, because I don't think it's unconditional, because you showed me it's conditional, so I'll keep, te- I'll keep testing you. And then we affirm what their, their fear when we show mad disapproval because of their failure. Uh, this seems to me, and it's again, seeing this, I'm 36. Uh, I haven't been around a long time, but just in 15 years of of full-time ministry, I've seen this. It can produce a shell of obedience, uh, but their hearts aren't nurtured by the gospel. So it's not gospel centered and it doesn't, it's not long lasting. So eventually it all comes out, man. At first they're performing, but it's not grace based, which is really dangerous. Hearts are motivated by fear and not grace. Fear of of failure, uh, fear of of lack of approval, but not grace. Like, man, okay, I'm, man, I can. And I I think that was my life. And I think that's one of the reasons why I think I, uh, you know, I, I sold drugs and stuff, but I wonder if I didn't really pursue sports because, man, I just had such a warped view of grace. And there was such, in my mind, such value in how I performed that I was scared to fail. So I only did things that I knew I could be top dog in. See, that's that's not grace-based. You can tell a grace-based cat, man, when they don't care, but they'll do anything, you know, because they, they don't find their identity in their failure. And when you always stay in your wheelhouse, you got to ask yourself, are you living a grace-based life? When you only do those things where you can feel like, hmm, look at me. And you're not willing to say, oh, I'll try that, yeah, I'll do that. And I fail, nope. That's all right. So, we're praying for our kids to be, man, just try anything. Just, man, fail, and we'll laugh. We'll eat dinner and laugh at it, and we, it's okay. Like, Lord, teach us how to make our kids experience grace as their motivation. Um, so, how do we lead our kids toward uh, grace based love, family? There's a question. Um, I, I, again, I wanted to pause on this. It could seem, you know, it seem consultative. But hopefully, it's theologically grafted because that's the heart behind here. Is how do we practically think about this with the gospel mind? Because uh, we all got kids, and you're influencing my kids, and we're influencing others, each other's kids. And I want to make at least that you've been thinking about it from a gospel lens. Well, first, I want to propose that that we have to first acknowledge um, if if those are our tendencies. When we're believing those things, we are at that moment not getting the gospel. Okay. And I think that's it's interesting what Paul does. Understand that what he does is literary work here. You got Colossians 3, and he goes through the put on and the put off. He goes through all these things, and it's almost setting the stage for who you're supposed to be about when you're doing these things at the end. You see that? And so he gives you the framework of who we are in Christ, who Christ is making us to be, and who we are not to be, who we're to yield to, so we're not the man of old self. And then he says, now, being that new man that we just talked about, I want you to love your wife, I want you to care for your kids, I want you to care for the people under your care, I want you to do everything with the motivation that Christ is king. You see that? And so I'm proposing that this Colossians 3.16 uh, is a very important in, in, in Paul's framework as he's, as he's exhorting us to holiness and gospel-centered living. And he's saying, like, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And the, rea- the reality is there's something, there's a disconnect where Christ's word isn't dwelling in us when we move toward passivity or perfectionism. So I just want us to be men and say, hey, when that's happening, I'm not believing the gospel. This is a gospel issue. So the question is, are we letting the word of Christ dwell in us richly is the, is the first question I think we need to ask when we're doing this. And we're talking kids now, but we're your wise, wherever. Man, is Christ, am I, am I believing Christ and what he's done? Now, let's talk about uh, the second stage. So first coming to grips like, okay, it is a gospel issue. Am I believing the gospel? And then now, when we, when we hopefully admit to that reality, we can say, okay, now let's, re, let's reject gospel distortion. Let's, let's look at the lies of what they are and let's reject them. Let's start with um, the passive dad, right? So in essence, the gospel issue here is he's affirming the license to sin. You see that? Okay. He's 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 providing or we are providing a false grace. If we're sitting around, letting our kids do and be who they want to be. They're going to just let them be. And we're letting them think that this is what grace is. And we know that's not the gospel. Now, there's a couple of reasons. It could be because of our desire for approval, right, of our kid, um, fear of man, right? We could be fear of man. Or if you believe the gospel gives you freedom to stay in your own sin, you will struggle with allowing your kids to see that God tells us, hey, we don't need to sin no longer. You see that? It's hard, and I've seen this. So you basically transfer your spiritual formation, right? If you if your spiritual formation is like you see, you see sin in this light, and it's not a big deal, thank the Lord for Jesus, and you don't really say, no, be killing sin, lest it be killing me, and you don't realize that sin is abhorrent to the Lord, then you won't allow that to be the same, your same disposition, the same transfer will be that with your child that you'll teach your kid. Sin's not really all that important. You know, you know, we 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 win some, we lose some. You know? You're you're really a good person. And so you gotta be careful, asking the Lord. So, what I love about it, it makes you have to ask yourself: what are you believing about sin? And what are you believing about sin in your own life? All right? Because what do the scriptures say? We replace that lie with truth. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means, the scriptures say. How can we who died to sin live in it any longer? So that's God's response to sin. The question is, is that our response to sin in our own life? And is that what we're providing to our kids as we form them in Jesus? Not a professionistic dad, right? This guy, he's seeking to make his own life pleasing to God, right? Trying to gain favor with God at some level, right? If that, that's happening in your own life, again, if you're struggling with that, if you're struggling with grace in your own life, it's going to be hard for you to administer grace to others. And I propose specifically to your kids because, man, in your kids and your wives, and you've seen this, guys, because your kids and your wife, man, it's like, it's like your sin gets so magnified in those relationships, Cause they're always around you, and they know your dirt, and it's just crazy. And so, if that's the case, you find yourself again transferring a false formation again, and that's one where we can actually attain favor with the Lord. And so, so what happens is we try to foster obedience in our kids apart from the love of Jesus. So that's the question, you know, you, if you're a church goer, but you don't understand that the Holy Spirit's in you and you you're not believing the gospel, which your, your model becomes, okay, the goal is obedience, not Christ. And that's not the goal for your kid. We want our kids to love Jesus. Galatians says in chapter 3. Are you so foolish having begun by the spirit? Are you now being perfectly uh, perfected by the flesh? That's Jesus' response to that kind of mindset. Really? How can I birth you spiritually and then you think you can continue on humanly? No way. Let it not be. So I propose the response to those guys is repentance. Okay, that's, that, the gospel is clear. We see how we can distort the gospel. Now the question, so what do we do? I'm proposing, we as men, we have to have a, a repentant heart, a disposition of repentance, of understanding that we're jacked up and, man, we're just trying to be good dads that love Jesus. And I actually say that to my kids. I'll talk about that in a moment. But recognition of sin is only shameful when you don't get the gospel. I'm convinced of that. When you don't get the gospel, that's when you know, even before I was talking about sin, I could see some of your eyes like, So, when are we going to talk about what God did to sin? You can talk about sin because of what God did to sin. I could talk about sin and know that, that it's abhorrent and horrible and that Jesus paid for it. And so, uh, when we fail, I feel like you get the gospel because when you fail, you don't need to make excuses. And I'm proposing. All this should be happening in front of your children's lives. They should be seeing this. Excuse me. They should be seeing your failures, and you can be sharing your heart with them. And, man, I tell you, woe to you if you think that you're doing something good to kind of have this facade in front of your kids but yet be somebody else. They're going to they're smell that stuff, man. And, again, they, they, could, the God is gracious. He can even bless your kids in the midst of that, jack, that jacked-up thinking but what I've seen is people see that and they see the hypocrisy. And there's something about seeing someone who's messed up, but they're trusting Christ. And for your kids to see that, guess what? What's cool about that is that life is attainable. It's like, okay, because I'm messed up. I can trust Christ too and be messed up. If you put before me, I can trust Christ and now I'm about to be perfect. That, that's, that's stressful. That's not grace base. That's not joyous. That doesn't seem to me to be obtainable. That makes sense? And guess why it's not? Because God didn't intend that to be obtainable. He did it. Right? So it says. Church. Mm. Just, you know, I'd go to Sunday school. Like we'd rush to church, and screw up in the morning, and I'd be sitting in church, and I'd like have to go apologize to my kids, and I'd go get them out of Sunday school and apologize to them. And that's what they talk about now. They talk about that we made it
1: real. And Praise screwed God.
0: Screwed up over and over and over. But, we, but what they say to me is that we stayed in the game. Amen. We didn't. We didn't bow out. So. That's a good word. Yeah, I think that's a good word. The importance of, she was saying, the importance of apology and how just modeling that humility of being wrong and that you you realize you don't have it all together and trusting Christ is so huge for your kids' formation. And that, you know, there's been bumpy roads, but now to see your kids seeking Christ, walking with Jesus, you go, man, the Lord was gracious. You know, um, yes, this. So just man falls seven times, but gets back up. The sense of like, hey, I'm, I'm jacked up. That's all right. And I, I just, what, a, what, a, what a freeing environment for our children. You know, I just pray that as, as you have influence in our kids' lives, that you would model that false gospel, that you got it all together. You know, because it's not true. Like, model love and grace and truth to my kids. <laughs> to these kids in this, this body. We're all jacked up, man. So, um, model the gospel with your life. Like, uh, just, you know, confess sin, ask for forgiveness. I, I always tell, I know, maybe I shared this before up front. I remember one time he had me crying like a baby. Uh, you know, I sinned against Connor, and I, I said, buddy, you, know, uh, you know, dad shouldn't have said this. I don't know. I forgot what I did. And I said, man, will you forgive me, buddy? And he said, dad, and he grabbed me and he hugged me and he said, I'll always forgive you. <laughs> I was like, wow, you know, it was awesome. And so, asking for forgiveness and confessing sin to your kids, I and mean, they see your heart. And, and I always say to our kids, too, like, I'll, we'll make a decision, and, and they'll be like upset or something. And, and man, the Lord has put on my heart to say to them, and I'm like, buddy, you know, I'm just trying to be a good dad who loves Jesus. You know, I just want to lead you in Christ, man. And, like, just let them know, like, I might be getting it wrong right now. Can I, let you, can I just let you know my heart? I just want to be a good dad that loves you and loves Jesus, points you to Christ. You know, and, and usually, I mean, I, I can't remember a time where they even be like, Oh, I mean, it is totally like, wow, why am I tripping? When I come to them, like, no, I'm not just kind of, but dude, I'm just trying to figure this out too, bro. You know, And it seems like God has been gracious to, to use it. Share through life how Jesus has forgiven you. Uh, talk, use those opportunities to talk about your trust and grace and how Jesus done, has done a work in your life. Use those opportunities to... To not to not to just, to bring it down to the level of like man okay guys he's trusting Christ too, and by the way I think that happens when you have a prayer life outside of you know praying for dinner and breakfast. Yeah, uh oh, sorry guys. Um, <laughs> but um, the um, buckle. So so yeah, but I feel like one thing I've realized in my life is um is that I is that we are trying. I'm realizing prayer. Like, watching our kids see us pray for, like, little things has been huge. Um, praying for, you know, they lose a toy. Uh, the Lord has just taught us to say, to, 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 you guys want to pray? And, and for them to see our reliance upon Christ models for them that we have a reliance on the gospel. So, like, that, I just really want to, I just think that's another thing that our kids are, like, realizing that Christ is real because they see mom and dad go to them all the time. So I just want to encourage you to do that. Uh, I always look for opportunities to model to your kids the gospel motivation behind why you do what you do, and this is takes. Now, this here, you can't. You gotta. You gotta. I feel like for us to do this, we have to know the gospel, and we have to start getting used to articulating to our kids. So I wonder if sometimes we don't articulate the gospel, we're like, man, so I don't want to mess it up, or. But I want to encourage you, look for opportunities to share the gospel and say, that here's why I'm doing this. And, and don't just make your decisions. Don't, don't teach your kids that your decisions are just, you know, I just thought that this was the best thing to do. Right? Because here's what this all does. It makes us have to come to grips with way, why do we do what we do? See, what Christ has wanted us to do, I love that he wants to form our lives so we can form our kids. And so what he does, he exposes the fakeness of our lives. Right? He's saying, well, you you know, actually, like right now, you're like, man, I don't never pray. Well, God wants us to pray. You know, well, I don't think I talk about, I don't think I seek God on my decisions. And I don't think I think about the gospel in mind. Okay, well, let's start doing that. that, Because it's going to be forced. If you're not doing that in your own life, but you're trying to teach your kid, not only is that forced, but your kid will sense it. Well." so so when you look at the passage, um, is there any way you can take me back to the passage? When um, you look at the passage, he gives this airplay specifically to dads. Um, but he tells us, man, like, don't provoke your children unless they become discouraged. And again, I want you to wrestle with the fact of what is he? what can we be discouraged by? Is he just like not wanting our kids to be mad? Of course not. That's part of it. But I would propose to you the primary issue is gospel-centered and that is he wants these kids to see clear models of image bearers so that they can be clear models of image bearers, and that there's a disconnect. He knows that that can hinder what God is doing in their life. Okay? So I just pray for us as a family, uh, as individuals, husbands, wives, single people, male, female, we need to ask ourselves, like, what does it look like for us to make sure that our kids are getting the gospel? Recognize if you're the passive dad, Perfectionistic dad, where are you in that journey? And um, let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. Let's repent of our stuff and let's model a true gospel to our kids. Okay? Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for uh, the insight of the people of God. Thank you, Lord, uh, that we have so many people in this room that we can go to and we can get insight from who's been running the race, who have adult kids, Lord. Thank you for that. Uh, Lord, we pray that you would, um, by your by your gracious hand, allow us to tell the gospel story clearly to our kids. And Lord, would you allow us uh, to not just be selfish and just tell the story to our kids, but Lord, to all the different families. I mean, we are an organic body, and we pray uh, that you would just allow the body to tell the gospel story in different ways in which I can't to my kids, and, and that we would see such awesome, yeah, just cross-pollination. We would see... Rachel sharing the gospel with our kids and and we would see, you know, Kristen sharing the gospel with other kids and we would just see uh, parents sharing. We would just see all our kids in different frameworks getting the good news of Christ, seeing it lived out in more ways than one uh, that it might just be good to their soul and they might want to receive you and walk with you and, 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 and image you well, Jesus. Lord, give us the grace right now to repent um, if uh, we know that we're, we professionistic in our, in our, our worship um, to you and, and how we uh, serve our kids. If we're passive, Lord, give us the grace to give that over to you, Holy Spirit, and to trust you to have a balance, to be balanced, Lord. And give us the grace, Lord, when we mess up, and we will, and we end in one of those frameworks this afternoon, tonight, tomorrow, give us the grace to just experience your forgiveness and to tell our kids that we agree with God, that we wronged them, and uh, allow them to see the gospel of Jesus. Lord, we love you, um, and we thank you, Jesus. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.